It's another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu. Joining me today, Eric San Innocencio, Houston Texan Senior Director of Digital Media. How's it going today, Eric? D.P., you're getting really good at my name. Eric San Innocencio. It was just perfect. No hesitation at all. I'm uh, I'm used to long Indian names, so I felt like (laughs) if I could tackle those, I could tackle San Innocencio. That's so, three times in a row she did it, guys, without even flinching. Without That's even really flinching. It did, it did take me a while of practice because around here everybody calls you Eric San. Yeah. Social media and the new HoustonTexans.com. I get people asking me all the time about social media. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to the Deep Slant Podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave a review. All right. I want to get your thoughts on this in one word. Okay. IHOB. Brilliant. You think it's brilliant? Brilliant. When's the last time you ever had a discussion about IHOP or IHOB <laughs> in your life? Well, in the last week, probably more than ever in my entire life, I've discussed IHOB. However, I I thought it was awful because it doesn't make me want to go there and eat there. It makes me talk about it, but still you want to call to action for customers, right? Did it accomplish that? I don't know. That's going to be the next part of this whole phase, like how many people actually get into the restaurant to do it. But I think if you're IHOP slash IHOB and you're trying to get awareness of what your new marketing campaign is going to be, what they did was outstanding. Because the the one rule that I always talk about is you never want to punch down in social media. Okay? Okay. So you had Wendy's, who is like, you know, the most followed um, you know restaurant, at least from a fast food perspective. You had Burger King. Everybody jumping in. You're right, though, to make fun of them. But again, it's notoriety and understanding. Everybody and knows. You, that was the number one trending topic on Twitter. Everybody knows. They have an opinion. They may not agree <laughs> with it, but they know. And that's all you can ask as a business because then you have an opportunity to be top of mind. And then at least, you know, you're in the conversation. That's all you can ask. If they didn't do it this way, you would have just drove by and been like, oh, the IHOP, the P is backwards. It fell or something. You know, like you wouldn't know what the change was. They made themselves relevant to the conversation that's again. all you can ask for in social media. I love following different companies on Twitter that have a, a unique voice. And Whataburger is one of my mm-hmm. favorites. Whataburger tweeted, as much as we love our pancakes, we'd never change our name to What a Pancake," which I thought was brilliant. I thought that's brilliant because they never mention IHOP. They okay? only mention, exactly. They, they took a shot and they were relevant within what was being discussed, but they didn't mention IHOP. I think others fell for the bait like Wendy's, like Burger right. King, and they included IHOP in the message, and they thought, oh, we're skewering them, we're real cool. But, but the focus was still on IHOP slash IHOP. Exactly. But you know what? It also helped me realize, and maybe I'm one of the lone people in Texas that knew this, I didn't realize that Whataburger had pancakes. Me neither. So they, it accomplished two <laughs> things. I'm like, oh, they have pancakes. That's good to know. But that's such an interesting point that you can discuss that. Like we're having discussions about Whataburger talking to – you know, to IHOP, talking to Wendy's, talking to airlines, talking to everything. Like, the world's so different now. People can not only voice their opinion about things on social media, but they can expect a response a lot of times, too. Like, think about the last time right. you had an issue with a airline. You know, now you tweet right at them, and you expect them to respond to you. Like, it's a whole different level. At the beginning, social media was a one-way street. You had these big brands talking to people, and there wasn't much conversation going the other way. They were really just out there promoting their products exactly. and their services. And I've loved And in the last few years... We saw a few of them st- just sort of jump out of the gate and interact like a person would interact, exactly. like an individual, not an entity would interact. And I think that's what makes them so entertaining to follow. And then they're also they're fans just like us. I think when a big company becomes uh, involved in a conversation that we're all having, uh, we mentioned Whataburger. Whataburger, after the, the Golden State Warriors won, they tweeted, congrats to the Warriors for doing something so hard, living in a state without Whataburger. Like they brought the Perfect, conversation huh? back. Whataburger really should teach a, a social media 
a course on how they do it. I think also you were in charge of the HoustonTexans.com mm-hmm. or Houston Texans social media account. I love I love the voice of the Texans that we have as well. Maybe I'm biased. But how much of do you do you and, and your team, do you guys look at other people, what they do, and craft your voice accordingly? Or did you kind of already know, like, this is what we want to sound like? I think you're always evaluating and looking. I think what we have to – figure out here is within this building, what does our organization feel comfortable with in terms of what our voice is? Because if you have that buy-in, then you can start to see where people start to take more chances. I think we're still learning because our higher-ups maybe aren't as immersed in this as some other um, you know, lines of work are. So we're still teaching. You know, hey, this is why we do it. This is why the engagement rises. And I think that's why you start to see us maybe take selective chances where there's other teams in general or other brands, as you mentioned, that are all the way out there. And I think it's it's a factor of a few things, right? Like we have fans. If we never post a tweet at all, there's going to be fans that follow us. There's going to be fans that engage with us. Right. So we have a unique perspective, whereas a Whataburger or some of these other companies, they're just trying to get notoriety so that they can gain that fan. We have them. So I think that's a little interesting perspective to keep in mind. And then also, too, uh, social has got to be an extension of whatever you're talking about as an organization. So where do we fit? Are we more conservative in nature? How do we report on the team? Who is our football operations people? How do they feel about what we're doing? You know, how does ownership feel about it? You've got to factor all these things in because in the end, those are the people that are going to make the decisions, not make decisions, but make suggestions on how we approach it. And then from there, that's where we kind of take the baton and we can, you know, make these suggestive kind of areas or, or jump in where we feel we make sense in a conversation. The one rule we have as far as, you know, responding to people on every platform is that if we can provide something to the conversation, then we jump in on it. I think sometimes you get the reverse of it. Like Whataburger was a great example. They jumped in on something that had nothing to do with them with mm-hmm. Golden State but still made it about them. I think a lot of times brands make the mistake is that if something's happening on social media, we've got to be there. It's almost like a fear of missing out type thing. So I think with us, we want to be selective. Can we add to the conversation? And then if so, let's be in it. If not, it's okay sometimes just to stand off to the sideline while other things are happening. Because I think sometimes if you jump in too much, if you're not entertaining every single time you do it, that person's going to lose interest in following It has to be funny. It has to add value somewhere. You can't just be responding. I I don't know if it was you or somebody else I had heard say that uh, when somebody responds to you on Twitter, like the Houston Texans, for instance, it's like today's version of an autograph exactly like fans just love that they get a mention or they get retweeted or that the houston texans or even any of our players for that matter are responding to them would you say that's still the case i think it's 100 percent. you look at deshaun i think he's a great example if somebody has a you know clemson jersey of his or they bought a texans jersey and they tweeted at him he'll share and it's almost like oh man he's validating you know, my support of him. That's a great feeling because a lot of times we can't talk to or we can never meet the people that we follow or that we um, are fans of. So I think anytime you can make them part of the journey, that's a great thing. But I think for us, it's always kind of tricky as a brand because Deshaun Watson's a person. You can follow him. The Texans are an entity. So, you know, like if somebody says, hey, it's my birthday today, and I know we're going to get tons of tweets and <laughs> saying, it's my birthday, you know, we'll respond, happy birthday, we'll do something like that. Right. But, you know, if there's a legitimate question that we can answer, we're all about, you know, responding and providing that one-to-one. But a lot of times it's just they want to shout at us because we represent – you know, more than just the voice. It's the team itself. Like, follow us on a Sunday. You'll see the highs and lows of our fans. Tremendous play by Hopkins. What were you doing there? Why didn't you go for it? You know, like, so you have all this conversation coming in, and sometimes you just got to let them vent to that account as opposed to always, you know, feeling like you got to respond because the volume is just astounding. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because the Houston Texans are a team, and yet during the games – 
you and Jesse and Anov, you guys are all behind the social media platforms. You're responding as if the fans would. Like when there's an exciting play or there's a touchdown or something comes down to the final seconds of a game, you're biting your nails with everybody else or you're celebrating with everyone else or you're disappointed with everyone else. True. You know, where do you draw the line as far as this is us and yet we're watching us? <laughs> That's true. I, th- I think the line always moves. You know, I think as you win, you get a little bit more latitude. Like if you're having some success to dive in and do some funny things, I think when you're losing, you might pull back just because it's general nature. You know, you won't feel like you don't want to provide any embarrassment. Everybody knows what's going on. So, again, how do you provide value? And I think when you're winning, you have a little bit more fun with it. But also, too, it's hard because you mentioned that's only on Sunday when we're that way. You know, the rest of the week, we're information. You know, we're providing stuff. You know, we're sharing the great stuff that you and Drew and Mark and Johnny are writing. So you're trying to balance that line all the time. And what I always do is I look at what's successful and what's not. There's two things that matter to me the most when it comes to social media, at least the way we look at it. Number one, what are we over-indexing on? Meaning, what are we doing well in comparison to others? Because you want to do more of that. It's pretty simple. And then secondarily, how many people can we reach? Because we're still a really new franchise. I know we've been around here and people in Houston feel like we've been here for a long time. But compared to other NFL teams, we're still really new. So I think we're trying to expand our brand so that people know whether it's Washington or the East Coast or the South, who the Houston Texans are. And a lot of times our players do a great job of that. Obviously, all stuff that J.J. did with Hurricane Harvey, that brought us national attention. But Houston itself, we're great regionally. Like, I think we're one of three teams in the entire NFL to have over 70% of your market, like, completely saturated. So it's like a good thing. So, like, we really own Houston. We do a great job in Houston, but we still got to expand. So, for me, it's reach and over-indexing. Like, what are we doing to continue to capitalize it? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think it's helpful when you get to see the numbers behind what you're doing. You can tweet something and say, okay, how did that do? For the average person that can't do that who's on Twitter, and I get people asking me all the time about social media, and I say, well, I'm active on social media but I'm by no means an expert in social media. I think there's always room to grow. There's always a ceiling. You guys are doing this every day. For the average person out there that wants to grow their brand or grow or just be involved in social media, what is what is some advice to get started? I think a lot of people are very intimidated by Twitter still. I think when you're in the media or you, you're following people, it's fine. But when you're actually out there tweeting, getting started is, is kind of an inundating task, wouldn't you say? I think you just said it. The number one thing you have to do is try. You've got to start. And then from there, you can learn. It's like anything else, right? The more you do it, the better you get at it. So I think if you're on the fence about whether you want to join social media, but there's some interest, just go out there and try. You don't have to be perfect the first day. Uh, The good thing is, is there's so much volume on there that you'll have the ability to learn and react and understand the more you do it. So like a good example is you. You're right. Like you're not on active on it all the time, but you know where you could provide value. When Deshaun Watson was out there throwing passes, you know, you took a quick video of it while you were out of practice. You put it out. It got retweeted by people from across the NFL. You know kind of what your lane is. You're not out there giving movie reviews or, you know, discussing Sometimes personal I stuff. feel like I should, though. I feel like, wouldn't it be interesting? It would be. But, this thing but is then you, I think, but does anybody really care? But you won't so know until you what's try. What's the line? But you won't know until you try. So if you yeah. try and it goes flat, then you know that that's not what they're interested of you. But you know already because you've been doing it for the, you know, almost five years. Can you believe it's been five years? Yeah, this will be my sixth season. With the team, I was on social media. I was on Twitter before then, I obviously but in your current role on social, this, role, yeah. this is almost five years next month because we started, most people don't know this, but you started the week after me. and we Right. <laughs> you were showing me around and you were still <laughs> figuring out where everything was. But, I mean, you've understood over that time period what fans have come to expect and you can see yes. from the tweets that go well, you know, okay, this is, I need to do what more What people like to hear about. So yeah. I think that's a perfect example. Like you got out there, you tried, you figured out where you're going and you can still kind of, you know, jump in every now and then on different stuff. Like you'll comment on the Rockets, you'll comment on things that happen within the city that interest you. And so, like, you just keep trying. So I think if anybody wants to go out there, the first step you have to take is actually getting on them. 
because the more you get on them, the more you'll learn, and then whatever you feel comfortable with. Do I feel comfortable? Like, um, I actually pulled back a lot on my social media because I do it all the time and because I see it. Like, me personally, if you follow me, you'll probably see stuff about my kids or stuff about me coaching sports because I coach my sons and my daughter, or my son and my daughter. You might see me mentioning stuff about uh, movies I saw. Like, I saw Ocean's 8 uh, this weekend. I, I saw. I was a big Ocean's fan. I wasn't totally enthused by which, how the Which movie I, I want to I want. I hope you're wrong. I really hope you're wrong when I go see it. I really want to That's like be. my favorite movie you know, series of all time, I think, the franchise. Of okay. Ocean's. I love it. So, I got a couple of people that jumped in. One person said, oh, thanks for saving me money because I was kind of on the fence too. <laughs> so, like, you get to learn. But for me, I've pulled back a little bit more, and I think – you just got to, what are you comfortable with? What do you want to do? And then from there, that's the beauty of it. Like you can just try, it's an, kind of an open canvas. And how do you want to, you know, what do you want to make it? What I mean, do you want your voice to sound exactly. like on social media? All right. What about the next big question I get is followers. How do I get more followers? Now for us, it's, it's a different situation because easier, whenever, yeah. whenever the Houston Texans retweet me that it goes out to how many followers do we have now on Twitter? Over 2 million. Over 2 million. So 2 million people will see it. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't have the luxury of having a big entity retweet them like that. But for the average person, what's the best way to get followers on, on think, social media? I think each platform is a little bit different. I think on Twitter, That's it's all point. about providing commentary in the moment that resonates with whatever you're talking about. Like Twitter's the best online bar ever, right? Like the Oscars are on. Everybody's <laughs> second screen experience is Twitter. Like what are we doing? Are you make like do you make funny jokes? Do you make stuff like that? Like if your content's really good and it's timely. Twitter's so important because it's gotta be about right in the You that can't moment. you can't D V R something in the next day and have an opinion about, oh, about it. It's how, too how late. great was this? You know, like you've missed the moment. So I right. think understanding the moment. I think on Instagram um, and Facebook's a little different. Facebook is just kind of, you know, friends and family at first, and then you can expand. If you have your own professional page, it's a little bit different. You can use the other avenues to promote it. But I think Instagram, it's all about, like, you know, the scrolling nature. You have three seconds, really, to catch somebody's attention on Instagram, just the way that it's moving. Here's a, a great note that I got from Facebook. The average person looks at over 300 feet of Facebook feed every day. <gasps> 300 feet? Oh, just scrolling just and scrolling. scrolling. So and that's 100 much, yards. How much of that is the same? Because it starts to repeat itself know, after seriously. a while. That's 100 yards. That's, that's the field crazy. that the Texans play on every Sunday that's with a Facebook crazy. feed. And I'm making, like, I know this is radio, make a hand gesture. Like, the average Facebook feed size is about, you know, three to four inches maybe. And so they're scrolling through that much of it every day. So you've really got three seconds. So on Instagram, you know, what can you provide? Like, I love to follow people. There's a great account, Instagram Beham, because I was in Birmingham before I came to Houston. And okay. he just take, the guy goes and takes pictures of the city and from all these different angles. And it's fun to kind of see what he's going to come up with next. So, again, it's just how good is your imagery? What are you taking pictures of? Some people, uh, there's a lot of uh, moms out there who use Instagram to kind of, because my wife follows a lot of them. Hey, you know, like this is how I help with my kids. Or, they, you know, you kind of follow your kids along the path. So just finding your niche I think is important on Instagram and using great imagery to make that stand out. And what about stories? Because I feel like Snapchat came into the picture. Mm-hmm. Where does Snapchat fit into all this? Because I feel like I really like Instagram stories more than Snapchat. It's a little bit easier to follow people and to find people on it. Like, if you don't know their handle on Snapchat, you may never find somebody. Whereas on Instagram, if you're already following them, you can see the stories live. What any? How do you tailor that differently towards your actual feed? I, the one thing I tell companies that I talk to all the time is you got to find out who your audience is on each platform. So for us, Instagram, it's funny you say that because I agree with you, but we're also a little bit older. So I think for us, we already have the natural tie into Facebook you know, seamless transition over to Instagram. And then people were following already on Facebook, close family. Then they put the stories up. It's just much easier for us to make that connection. Whereas Snapchat, you've got to go and start something anew. But Snapchat's really great for us. Like our biggest following on Snapchat is from people from 13 to 25. It seems that way. It seems Very like it's younger. for the younger crowd. My, my teenage son is on it all the time. But I feel like it's just him and his friends. But that's the, what snapping, Snapchat started snapping as. Snapping with themselves, and, yeah. You know, it was started as a way for 
Because a lot of times on other social media platforms, you don't get that response or you didn't. Snap started the other way around, which I thought was interesting, is they wanted to guarantee that you got an interaction almost every time you put something up because they started with your friends and family. Sure. So I think Snap is in an interesting spot because they have this young demographic and they have it pretty strongly, but they're still trying to figure out what the next steps are for them as a company. They switched their feed. Um, it got a lot of backlash. Which was really it confusing. It didn't really go well. Yeah. So they're switching it back in some degree. Their ad platform is a little clunky, but you got people like ESPN that are doing shows specific to Snapchat. So I think it's in a really interesting time period. But I think the fact that me and you are maybe not as enthused about it is okay because I don't think that's who they're targeting. But but you still see a lot of young people on Snapchat 100%. following. So how does the and international you- people too, like Nav, uh, Nav Leibowitz, who has our voice. And that's one thing. We want to make sure our voice is different on each platform. We don't want you to hear the same I was going to ask you about that. How does it? How is it different on Snapchat? So because Jesse does young. Instagram ma- uh, mainly. Again, like, I mean, if we take time off, we all jump in. Twitter and Facebook is usually my voice. I may not actually be hitting the button, but it's more my type of voice because it's what I'm, I like the most. Okay. And then Nav is Snapchat because she's a little bit more autistic. She's younger. Uh, the way she talks is way less... Um, I don't know, like specific on Snapchat. It's just uh, it's a little more playful. We don't have like yeah, it's a totally different voice the way people talk exactly. on Snapchat, that which was uh, much better. Way I, to say I feel it. like I feel like when I caption things, it's like a whole sentence, and Snapchat's all about a word or a phrase or an emoji, or, and an, I don't, or I, dancing, we, you know, three D <laughs> animated character that with shows me, with up. Jaws music or something. It's like a lot of things. It's a sensory overload. So we want you on every platform to have a unique experience. So what Nav does really well on Snapchat is she um, includes people. So we'll have giveaways that we'll do, and she'll always do something like, hey, here's a picture of Deshaun Watson. Do your best version of drawing this. Send us your snap. Send us where you're from, and we'll pick a winner. And we'll get people from Scotland. We'll get people from the United Kingdom that are following us, and you'll see them try to draw Wow! like this thing. And it's much more creative, and it's fun. It's a different way. We would never do that on any other platform. So I do think there's tremendous value there. I think what Snap has to figure out is Facebook is starting to eat into what they do is, you know, how do we carve out this niche? Because it's funny. People say, oh, Snap's dying. Snap's dying. They still have 100 million users. Can you imagine any other, like McDonald's <laughs> would love 100 million people to come to their restaurant every day? Right, right. But in the social media world, it's like, oh, you're dying. You only have 100 million. You know, like, it's just still crazy. That's a valuable audience. But you've got to stay relevant on all the platforms because you're hitting a different target audience. And you're right. The message has to be different. Is there a next new big social media platform as far as you can see? Yeah. So it's funny. People always ask me this all the time. And my answer is whatever makes us lazier. Because if you think about <laughs> everything that social media has done, they call it convenience, but it's really about what we have to do less to make something happen. So yeah. think about pizza. You can, you know, get an app on your phone, download a pizza, have it delivered to you. You never have to leave. Um, you know, with Amazon, all these places, you can order your groceries now. They'll deliver it to you. You, don't have you pay a little bit store. more and you don't have to leave the house. Agreed. You know, same thing with, you know, Kroger's doing their stuff. HEB's doing stuff where they just, you know, you drive right up. People actually shop for you. So I think whatever makes us lazier, I think voice is going to be really interesting over the next year or two. Because, What's voice? So Alexa, uh, Echo, all okay. those different things like that because it's going to get to the point, I feel like, in a couple of years where we're going to be sitting at home with our family and be like, oh, we want to go see that game. Hey, Alexa, can you, uh, you know, get me two tickets for Sunday's game of Texans and you know Chiefs or whoever? And you're going to have to be connected in the back end to make sure that goes to a website. Alexa's going to have to be able to – you know, Google had their developer conference a couple of months ago, and they did something with their assistant. You may have seen the commercials where it says, you know, hey, Google, and then Kevin Durant goes, yo, Google, and it's like, no, we haven't done it, yo, it's hey. So, like, all these assistants (laughs) are starting to pop up now. Google Assistant actually has the technology where they can call. They did somebody who wanted to make an appointment for their hair. Okay. And so they told Google Assistant, can you make a hair appointment for me uh, between 10 and 12 on this date at this place? And Google actually, the assistant called, and a voice came up, their Google, their version of Siri, and made the appointment. The person was talking back to them, and they were making adjustments on the fly. It was it was terrifyingly that is, scary. That is was, that, that. There's a lot of potential for error, I feel like, with the Google Assistant. I, it, 
you're right, but they're figuring it all out, and it's going to get to the point now where you can type in something, and they can actively, uh, you know, make the transaction for you. It's pretty like nuts. Google. Can you tweet this out for me and get me about a hundred followers, <laughs> and then retweet this? Thanks. But uh, you make fun of me all the time. I go around doing voice to text. Like I very rarely. Mark want, Vandermeer has been doing this for a while. I taught too. him how to do it because <laughs> when you text, it takes a little longer. Right it now, does. I'll hit the voice button and I'll say, especially emails. I reply to emails, you know, through voice all the time. And the more you do it, the better it understands what your language pattern is. So my son, uh, his name is Derek, but it's not spelled a traditional way. It's D-E-R-I-C. So the more I say Derek, it used to spell it D-E-R-E-K at the beginning, and then I would correct it. And then now it gets to the point where when I say Derek on my phone, it's it knows it exactly. Away. It knows exactly, and it'll punctuate appropriately. And I, yeah, you walk around saying question mark, and it'll say question mark, or it's like, hey, thank you for uh, the meeting today. Um, you know, talk to you soon! Exclamation point. And that's exactly what types out. All right. Well, don'ts as far as social media. We've talked about all the things that you should do on social media. Are there any standout don'ts for people out there, especially people? Because nowadays everybody looks at your social media when you're applying for a job, when you're applying for admission to schools, anywhere you go. You're you're easily searchable. What do you not want out there? Other than the obvious, don't put anything, you know, that's really going to get you fired immediately on the job. But what about just the everyday sort of tips, what not to do? I think um... – You've got to be careful with video and pictures, you know, more so than maybe text. Text can be explained sometimes. I think, you know, when you have a video, like, this is a horrible way to present it, but I think it really hammers the point home, like Ray Rice, right? We knew, or it was reported what had happened, but everything changed when they saw the video of him sure, and his wife. Sure, the visual. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you've got to be careful with video and pictures because that paints an exact portrait of what you were doing. Sometimes you can argue that words, okay, I didn't mean it this way, and sometimes that's not enough either. I mean, Roseanne got let go for the things that she said. But I think video and imagery, there's no real argument about what's happening. It's there, it's out there, and that's it. So if you're going to take a video of something personal, if you're going to take a video of something between you and your family, um, you know, there's very little leeway to try and explain what happens in a video. As opposed to text, you might have the opportunity to say this is out of context. I wrote it differently. There's an argument to be made there. I sure. think the finality of video and pictures, so unless you want something to live forever, as a picture or as a video of you, you've got to be careful what you post. Okay. Words to live by. Okay. This is, this is totally, this is kind of a don't, but a very mild don't. Uh, gifts. Are we, are we over them? No, I, I love them. I still I feel think like they're great. I feel like now that they're embeddable, I see the same ones every day and it drives me. I, I just hate that I still see the blinking guy. Oh, okay. Like the, <laughs> for everything. And I, now people are actually jo- like, cue the blinking guy gif. If you don't know what it is, just Google it. You'll, you'll be like, yes, I've seen this before. But, you know, is it is it now, is it going to be something else? It already has been. Like, if you look at the past year or two, the gifts are now personalized. You know, so if you look at our feed on Twitter on Sundays, That's when true. there's a sack is made by Clowney, it's not us, like, just throwing a pop culture. It's him actually standing there shaking the screen or put it crossing his arms and, you know, stuff like that. Our we work with that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we make them personal for the events that we're trying to cover. So I think, you know, that's like anything on the Internet, right? You've got to personalize it, make the experience unique to what you're trying to present. So I think gifts are always great because the reactions in the moment are sometimes funnier than any word you can ever type. That's true. And they can encapsulate what a moment feels like better than you, like, trying to explain it through words. But I think that's what I, that's what my point was, is the fact that because they're searchable and everybody's got access to them now, mm-hmm. it makes it less personal. Because everybody has the same – it seems like everybody's reaction is that popular reaction that you search angry or you search confused or you search question mark. you got to find one that's a little bit more obscure. Or like you're saying, personalize it. Right. What about making your own? Making your own is fun. It takes a lot of work, you know. There's no easy. That's got to no be. There's got to be an app for this. I feel like somebody needs. There to is, it. but I mean, they're just clipping. So you go to Jiffy and they'll clip everything for right. you that you want. 
but I think you know if you want to personalize and put your logo, it's going to take some work and like After Effects and things like that, like the things we do here. It's going to take a little bit more time, but it might be worth it in the end. All right, uh, Eric Sananosencio, Senior Director here at uh, Houston Texans dot com digital media i want to talk to you about the website we unveiled Can a I brand pause first? new I, I, wait a I, I, I feel like i need to ask you a few questions too because oh, I wait, think you want to ask me a few i think questions? you're really unique the way you do social and so you mentioned that you were on social before the texans yes because I was. you were doing radio you were doing all the different yes. things that you were doing what would you say you've changed as the way you approach social since you've joined the texans oh uh that's a good question well when i started with the texans i had 101 followers and I was probably following like five times that many people. <laughs> and I, I used it just to get news. Uh, Facebook, I was on friends and family. I don't think Instagram wasn't really a thing then. I think the way that I've changed is because I, I've, I've just become more confident in my voice. And I think that's with anything. Like when you start with Twitter, you're not really sure what you're tweeting. You tweet very, it just seems very um, amateurish right. how you're tweeting. I think I've gotten better at that. I've also learned from Anob and from Jesse, how to make appropriate sized pictures to make the tweets look more professional. You can't just slap on any picture in your tweet. Cuts it, off half of the picture. It'll, it'll cut off the picture. I still do that sometimes in the moment in a press conference because you can't, you don't have time to clip a picture and whatnot. But if I have time to sit at my desk and do it properly, I've learned that sometimes it's nicer to sit down and, and to really have a well-thought-out tweet with a good picture because it just looks nicer. It's more aesthetically pleasing. So I've learned to when I can be more professional, uh, it still drives me nuts when I'm at a press conference or I'm at a game and I tweet something in the moment and I have a misspelling because I just you just we can't. need an edit button Twitter we need an edit button and I just and I'll just end up deleting it and you know I think that's probably the worst thing that you can do because people probably think I made a mistake but I just can't stand having grammatical and spelling <laughs> errors on my Twitter feed so if you see a tweet and then I delete it that's probably what happened uh, same thing with Facebook do you ever get those Facebook memories that pop up and it'll be something that I posted as a status like eight years ago and I think that why did I post yeah. that as a status I think it's interesting too because our roles have changed you know like what we represent because I was at the SEC before this and I was kind of more like in a role like yours where I was a columnist and I was writing stuff and my takes were a little bit hotter eight nine years ago so it's funny to see the things <laughs> that I said but another question I want to ask you too because this is something that I you know me and my wife struggle with you have three boys yes and they're going to grow up in a world where this is normal for you to right. be active in social media. So I think your oldest just started high school or is in that He's right? starting high school in the fall, right. So I assume, like you mentioned, he's, he's, he's on probably Snapchat. the one on Snapchat he's you know, on his Instagram. friends are talking yeah. about. How, what do you, if they ask for your advice or do you set ground rules? Because I think this is going to be an interesting discussion for parents that this kind of happened during our lives, but our kids are going to expect yeah. to be on it. I mean, so it's a learning curve. what rules curve. did you give them or how do you talk to them about it? Well, I think what's interesting is that the schools, and, and every school is different, a lot of schools approach this like in middle school how to post on social media, how to, you know, and, and, and at first I thought, I really don't know if I want my kids learning how to post on social media, but it's good because it's in a controlled environment. The, the class had an Instagram account and the parents could all follow it and they taught kids, you know, what's a meaningful post, how to caption it, what not to put on Instagram, what to put on Instagram, how to get more followers. Sometimes it's not about putting the most scandalous thing out there. It's just something that resonates with people. That's so genuine, they, yeah. That's genuine. So I think they sort of framed it like that. And then obviously at home we talk about it a lot. Uh, you know, we whenever there's a news story, I think there was one recently where some kids got into Harvard and they've got they got their contracts rescinded because of some stuff on social media. We always make a point to talk about that of like how, you know, something in the moment may seem super fun and entertaining, and, but it lives out there forever. So I think it's a constant conversation. And I don't know. I mean, we're sort of feeling the ways we go because it's changing every day. Oh my I mean, gosh, we didn't so have I didn't have Internet in my house growing up. Like I had to go to school 
to school yeah. to get on email. I didn't have email. an email account until I was 19, I think. Right. I think in college, we had to go to a specific laboratory that had a laboratory lab, <laughs> like a computer lab, uh, to, to email people. So it is totally different. I mean, it is nice, though, uh, because you can talk to your kids whenever you want. I, I envision, like, when my kids go off to college before, you know, we were discussing this the other day at home. You had to be in your dorm room or your, you had to be in your apartment and then your parents had to call you. You had to be there. Otherwise, you it had couldn't to be an appointment them. almost, yeah. You, you, otherwise, you miss them. You know, if the phone was, if somebody's on the line, the phone's busy, you can't talk to them. Now you can talk to your kids all the time. They can get a hold of you if they're in trouble or if they need you. You know, you're just a few numbers away. That's so. a great point, you know, because we talk about that at home a lot too. My children, my son's seven, my daughter's five, they don't know what it is to talk on the phone. So my mother <laughs> is not very social media savvy. Like she calls you like a, you know most normal people used to. And I hand my children the phone and they look at the phone. That's the first reaction they have. Yeah. And they don't understand why they can't see their grandmother. So it's you're right. Like it's it's going to be weird and we're we're in a unique situation cuz social media is a very big part of our job. So I it's think good. about that. It's good to know about it. I think just if if for nothing else if you've got kids or you're dealing with people that are of a different generation, you kind of understand how they communicate. Because this is how they communicate. They like to text. Nobody 80% leaves, of people nobody would voicemails. rather text than call. Like, and that, that's pretty crazy to think about how fast that's moved. Right. The iPhone came out in 2005. You know, like it's, you know, YouTube came out in 2005. This is not very long. It's really not that old at all. Social media is essentially not even teenagers yet in a lot of the stuff that we're doing, it's especially the big jumps were in 08, 09. That's 10 years. So I always, you know, people are always like, oh, you know, I'm a social media expert. If somebody tells you they're a social media expert. Don't believe it. <laughs> it's not true. You cannot be an expert you, on something that's changing so much, as you said. Right. And it's only 10 years old. Well, I remember getting on Facebook. That was back in 2007. I had just had my middle son. Yeah. And so it was great because you could share pictures of the kids with people that otherwise would never see it. And I just thought, this is amazing. And now it's like Facebook's for old people. Like, it's all people of my generation. And I felt like when I got on it, I... It was my younger. It was a new thing. It yeah. was my younger siblings that introduced me to it. So now, now people always say that though. But these younger people that you know are oh, Facebook's old. If they want a picture of themselves from five or six years ago, where do they go? It's all. It's all there on Facebook. That's going to be their life. It's going to yeah. be the newspaper of their life. Is essentially what Facebook is going to be. And as you know, like say you become a CEO of a company one day, or you become Jamie Roots down the line. We're going to be able to look at a person that we're hiring and see almost twenty to twenty-five this, years. This is terrifying, though. But it, it's again, a bit like it's, that's, you know, to the point that you discussed earlier, is this stuff doesn't go away and it's not going to go away. And we're going to learn a lot more about people. And we're going to learn that people are flawed in ways maybe that we wouldn't have um, because it's so public now. So it'd be an interesting way to follow it along. Yeah, I, I remember during the NFL draft, just seeing players that get drafted by teams and people would go back years and find a tweet that they made about that particular team that drafted them. And I thought you can't hold someone responsible for their opinions as a teenager towards a certain team. I just think it's it's kind of an unfair standard, but one that obviously we got to live within the confines of. All right, now are we ready to talk about HoustonTexans.com? Let's do it. All right. New website rolled out last week. Congratulations yeah, um, to you and me both. <laughs> We've been waiting a long time for this. DP has we not started. been the biggest fan of our website. <laughs> like I said, we started five years ago, and I think five years ago is when she started complaining about our I, website. I did. I, I mean, I just had suggestions. It was hard. It was hard. I had suggestions. It, it was, you know, it, it was, was clunky. It was clunky, but it was what the NFL wanted for all the teams to be on the same platform. And I think when it was created, it was for a time when there was no social media. We didn't embed tweets. How hard was it to do we all didn't, that? We didn't have any of that stuff. And, you know, it's just now the time has changed. We've got, we need so much more bandwidth for videos and and tweets and social media and everything. We want we want it all in our website, and then we want to look at it on this, this teeny tiny little screen in our hand. <laughs> so 75% of our traffic comes from mobile, so that's what the purpose of this website was. It's actually interesting because websites are becoming a little less 
a part of the conversation because social media has their own feeds and you can get news from there and ne really never have to leave anything. Like That's your true. example that I mentioned on Twitter, you could watch Deshaun Watson throwing to DeAndre Hopkins on Twitter and then go right back after you finish watching your video and go back to the rest of your Twitter stream. So I think it's interesting that, you know, where websites are, but it's responsive. And for people that don't know what that means, it, it means that the content will fit whatever screen you're on. So if you're on your desktop at work and you're looking at HoustonTexas.com, if you're on your iPad, if you're on your phone, it all shrinks so that it's a great experience because before with our old website, you would go there and you'd get a full screen experience on It'd a phone. It'd be this really small font. You'd have to sort of scroll left and scroll right and then shrink it or then expand it. So now you can sort of read it nicely. It's, it's all, all stacked. In, all in one place. It's stacked. Fonts, uh, the fonts are consistent. The graphics are consistent because one thing you find when you don't update a website for eight years is that there's different graphic designers that have been with the Texas. <laughs> there's different, um, you know, campaigns that we don't do anymore and they all kind of had branches that lived on this old website and they all look different so now at least we got one consistent look our graphic design team led by Sierra and um, Lauren did a fantastic job and Aina Vlibowitz who we mentioned earlier she really took the reins of this project and did a great job and we kind of it's really stressful because you really want like a good three to six months to do this the NFL gave us about six weeks that's it. You remember, we came back from L.A., and I was like, oh, we got a new website. Here's coming. And it's like, oh, my God, we got until June 7th to get a launch. So. But it's great because we've got so many new features and segments. I think when I started, we, did, we didn't have – well, I know when we started, we didn't have a TV no. department. So we've got all these new shows and new videos and new features, and they're all right there. Because before, it was all the stuff that lived before even I got here sitting on our website. But the new stuff we were creating, it was hard to search by it. Like, we've got Kid Reporter. We've got Player Reporter. We've got this nice little – section called uh, Players Lounge that sort of houses all that. We've got Dear Drew stuff, you know, in, in the Q&A session. And it's better for session. you, too, like as writers. Like if you want to follow everything that DP writes, you have a page for her and it's all broken down because you guys are multifaceted. You don't just write stories. We do you a do, lot of things. You do your things. deep slants. Yeah. You know, you're on Texans 360. I mean, you guys do so much. So this is an easy way for us to feature. You know, I want to follow all the stuff that DP does. It's right there on one page and it's easily broke down. To your point, on our previous website, you had to search specific for that piece of content, and then it wasn't easy to find more. So I think it's just um, it's a bigger warehouse now, and it's easier to find. It's almost like we took the file folders and just set them all out. It's not like videos, see. and sometimes you click on something thinking it's a story, and it turned out to be a video, or <laughs> vice versa, which always boggled my mind. Uh, but you know what I really like is on the front page, it's it's everything's dynamic, like the videos. It's like players are talking. It's not just a static picture. I just thought that was so. I just thought that was really cool. So that's yeah, it's eye catching, which is important. Like right? we talk about all the different ways that you gotta you gotta compete for people's eyeballs, you know. And we are able to put something in that at least lets you know, gives you an idea of what the content could be like instead of kind of this static image. And it's like I'm clicking here and I don't know what I'm getting. Am I getting a video? Am I getting an article? So I think we're trying to be more specific with the content we create and how we produce it. So it's been a fun ride, and I think the beauty of it is like websites. You know, everybody was paranoid. Oh, June seventh we launch. June 8th, we'll make adjustments. June 9th, we'll make adjustments. Websites are living and breathing things, and we're always going to make adjustments. So I know some fans that follow me on Twitter were like, hey, this, you know, I saw this, and it wasn't quite working that way. Can, you know, like maybe suggested, you ever thought about doing it this way? And we made a change. So like, You did? Okay. So I'm at Eric San. I mean, don't bother DP. She's really busy. But if you want to bother me about <laughs> website she, and stuff. And she doesn't know how to fix stuff like this. She only knows how to write you know, stuff and put it up there. Give us suggestions because a lot of the times, <laughs> you know, we deal with it every day, so we think it works a certain way. But people who only come in and out every now and then may have – uh, you know, better idea for how we present it. So we're always open to that. Kind so of thing. Uh, the other teams now, obviously, it was it was consistent across the league. What everyone said. Right. I think like we're at 18 out of 32 that have launched. There's still 14 teams that haven't that are on the old platform. So when everybody launches, everybody's site's going to be tailored to what their needs are: video, article, podcast, right. whatnot. 
I I think of it as Tetris, and that may be dating ourselves a little bit, but that you know famous Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same box, but it's how you move the pieces that's on you. So I think that's where you'll go to each website, and it may look a little bit different. You know what we feature might be more like we're very lucky; we don't have to sell a ton of tickets. So there may be other teams that they have great ticketing messages right when you come on the website, or they're trying to feature a particular marketing event. For us, we really want to push content first, so I think that's kind of how we've set it up. But, uh, yes, every team has a similar platform, but then how they feel it is on them. I love that Texans Radio, all the shows, all the podcasts, the podcasts yeah. are all living there. We can link to those directly from social media. We can link to those in articles because the podcast is a relatively new thing for our department. Not It's not new for everyone else, but it's something that we've sort of begun our foray into. And, and this podcast, just like all my other ones, also live on HoustonTexans.com. Yeah, as Drew bu- and Johnny's. Yeah. There's a listen button up there that has radio, that has podcasts, that has everything you need. So, Again, the goal was to make things easier to find and then give you bulk. So like, hey, I want to listen to one Deep Slant. I didn't know she was doing Deep Slant podcast. What other stuff has she done? She talked to J.J. Moses. She talked to, you know, Roland Ramirez. She talked to all these different things. And by the way, I really enjoyed your podcast. I listen to all of them because I'm a podcast You are a big pod, and I get a lot of feedback from you on the podcast. (laughs) Probably too much, sorry. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sure that we're going to end this and you're going to give me feedback on this particular (laughs) podcast. Uh, But yeah, it's it's, I I listen to them too. I've started listening a little bit more. But it's it's such a different sound than radio. And I actually enjoy it because it's more conversational. You can really get in depth with somebody in a podcast without commercial it's breaks. It's made for you. You know, like not that Mark and Johnny and Drew can't excel in this space they can, but I think you particularly. I love conversations. And you're good because <laughs> you can go in a lot of different directions and you enjoy that. So like your your uh, deep slant videos that you do, they're fantastic. Cause I always, the one that oh, with the players my, during yeah, the Yeah, that sticks in mind the, the Will Fuller one where you start talking about, okay, you're V. <laughs> what if you're with your dad and your grandpa? How do you call each other? And that's a question that he probably would never get, especially in a soundbite during a scrum outside. You it's could sit down and time. talk with him. Yeah. Right. It's not the time nor the place and to ask that. he can explain, oh, if I'm with my dad, he's Will, and I'm, you know, William, yeah. and, like, all this stuff. So I think um, transitioning that to this, you know, it's been great. Like, the stuff you've done with Roland, J.J. Moses is great because his energy just comes through the microphone. He's a lot of fun. Kylie Wong, we talked about uh, cryotherapy and and his place. I saw the the picture. They made you do it and did all that stuff. It was great. I'm totally going to go back. But I I love these podcasts. In fact, I would do if you if you're out there and you want me to do a podcast with you (laughs) and you want to offer me some free services, I'm I'm totally game. Just tweet tweet at Deep (laughs) Preferably in the fashion industry department. Yeah, whatever. I'm all about the perks. Any anything you want to give me for free, I'll come I'll come check it out and I'll do a podcast with you Uh, during the season. I think the podcast we'll go back to uh talking with the players i talk with uh, an opposing team writer and 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 we'll find a way to sort of wrap that up into a podcast in the season because i I really like this podcast space and i don't want it to be only an off-season thing i know during the season we're so busy with radio tv games and and whatnot but i think the podcast is definitely it it's a it's a very unique way of sending information out there to people you're right it's much more in depth and i you know to me the the kind of trendsetter for this was Bill Simmons with Kevin Durant. Sure. They've done five different podcasts. And when can you sit down with a player and talk for an hour and a half and find out that he likes billions, but that he also enjoyed, you know, Real Housewives on occasion? You know, like it's just a more personal approach, you know, to them. And you don't feel – you're not on guard because you're talking to the person. And it's not like, oh, they're not going to take the sound bite out. Like it's literally a conversation. Right. So it's a lot of fun. You learn so much about people that I would never know. Like Roland and your – um, podcast with him, I learned, you know, that he had created that thing that hangs on the wall and he had patented it. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, our, our athletic trainer. He, yeah. <laughs> I discovered that too in that podcast. <laughs> it's funny when you talk to someone long enough for 40 minutes with the things that start coming out. Yeah. And it Mark, doesn't, you doesn't, know, Mark did one where he was talking about his history 
and I, I encourage everybody to go listen to it where he's at Central Michigan and, you know, he was doing stuff at UMass and then Miami and then how, you know, you actually interviewed him for that, which I thought was really unique and how he showed up here pretty much uninvited <laughs> and asked for an opportunity to talk about, you know, he, how yeah. he sent FedExes to Miami and like the funny things they used to do back then. And yeah. So it's really interesting. Very, very uh, great career advice for anyone that wants to get into the industry too, because Mark, Mark's path was definitely not a conventional one and it's super entertaining. All right, Eric, this was yeah, actually very... I feel very, like we've gone off the reservation here it's, it's, That's just what my podcast does. We totally go off the reservation. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Good stuff, as always. You are... And, and if anyone has any additional questions about social media or the new website, they can always tweet you, at Eric Sam. Yep. They don't have to spell San Inocencio. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Eric San Inocencio, Houston Texans, Senior Director of Digital Media. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Deep Plan on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave a review. Thanks so much for listening, and go Texans.